my life I has to fight All's my life I Hard times like yeah Bad trips like yeah Nazareth I'm f***ed up homie you f***ed up But if God got us then we gon' be alright Welcome everybody to Doc Season. How y'all doing? This is episode five. I got my man Minister Stretch Sanders from Las Vegas here with me. I'm gonna go ahead and let him introduce himself to the people real quick. Peace and blessings, family. I am Minister Stretch Sanders. I am a community organizer and revolutionary in the city of Las Vegas. I am the founding president of All Shades United. I am also the president of New Era Las Vegas, which is a part of New Era Nation which is affiliated with New Ever Detroit. I've been an organizer in Las Vegas for going on seven years now, since I was 19 years old. I also serve as the youth pastor at Greater Evergreen Missionary Baptist Church. And I'm just honored uh, to be on the show. So thank you, brother, for having me. Yeah, so that's Minister Stress Sanders, everybody. But um, just to get right into it, I know today's episode is gonna be a pretty serious topic. I'm pretty sure we all know what's going on in the world. We all know what just happened. We all watching the news. We all scrolling through social media and everything like that. So we are all aware of everything. So this show is going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to show off my shoes and none of that. We're just going to get right into the conversation because that's what it's all about. That's what's important. And I'm blessed to have Minister Stress Sanders here with us to talk. And since he's out there in the front lines and out there in Vegas and seeing all of it firsthand, it's good to get a perspective from him. And we're going to talk and, and exchange words and, and just discuss the situation and put our message out. And I hope that the message touches somebody. I hope everybody's out there listening and being engaged and doing the best that they can. But, and if you don't know, I'm surprised, but I'll go ahead and elaborate a little bit. We all know what's going on with the, with the protests and everything out there and in, in, on the entire country. The George Floyd situation down in Minneapolis, uh, another innocent, unarmed black man killed by the hands of law enforcement, sitting there laying down, handcuffed to the ground, uh, officer knee to his neck saying, and, and George Floyd sitting there saying, I cannot breathe, I cannot breathe. No officer stepped in, nobody came in to help. Um, just sitting there, another unarmed black man, innocent, just dying on camera. And, and I know we're just tired of it, we're sick of it. And that's the reason why we have these protests and what they call riots and everything like that. So that's why we're out there, we're out there marching for the people and everything like that. So if you don't know what's happening, that's kind of the brief description real quick. Um, we all know what's going on and we just gonna dive right in and discuss it discuss about it a little bit so um i'm gonna go right into it minister stress centers i just want to start off so what are your before we really get into the details what are your initial thoughts and feelings of like what happened um about how america's responding how what are your initial feelings and thoughts about that because i know you've been in the front lines for a long time now and i just kind of want to see your perspective and how you feel about certain things so what's what's going on with your head and your mind and what's your mindset on the whole situation so I think what happened to George Floyd is the icing on the cake. I think it's the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think that it is also one of the things that make what Malcolm X said as the chickens are coming home to roost. I think that the people are out there aggressive and angry in the name of George Floyd. It's not just George Floyd. It's also Sandra Bland who didn't get justice. It's also Tashi Brown Farmer, who was killed in Vegas by Vegas Metro, who didn't get justice. It's also Mont Arbery, who was killed by two white individuals in the name of a citizen's arrest. It's every black person, really, who's ever faced oppression, from slavery, from Jim Crow. So this is long overdue. And by being 2020, black people are still being treated less than animals, right? They wanted to give Mike Vick 10 plus years in prison for abusing pit bulls and white individuals can literally kill us and sit on our necks for five plus minutes mm -hmm. and it takes the uproar for them to even be arrested. And so it just shows where we are in this country and also shows that we haven't got as far as we think we've gotten, which reminds us why it's so important for us to get involved in the struggle for liberation of black lives because Black people are still, in my opinion, three-fifths of a human, which the uh, the American United States government constitution pretty much describes us as three-fifths of a human. And you see that. You see that we're not really Americans because 
Americanism is a treatment. And so it's like, how can we say we're Americans, but every way we turn, we don't get treated like the white Americans. And so where my headspace is, I think that it's time for us to rise up. I think it's time for millennials and the generation after that, Gen Z and the generation before us and before those to get involved because there's a war, not on drugs. You know, there's a war on black people. There's a war specifically on black men and that there's a war on our black sisters. 65,000 black women and girls are still missing. Black men are still being found in schools wrapped up in gym mats with their organs missing. This is not no game. And so we out there taking to the streets. Yes, we're honoring George Floyd, but George Floyd is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, black folks are sick and tired of being shot down, choked down, slammed down, killed around, and nothing is being done. And so at this point, we can't keep asking for freedom. We got to take it. You know, Malcolm X said, if you are not willing to pay the price for freedom, then you don't deserve it. So we have to be willing to pay a price. And so many of us have got comfortable. We don't want to sacrifice a job. We don't want to sacrifice friendships. We don't want to sacrifice dynamics. Everything we do is comfortability and convenience shift. And we have to ask ourselves, where has that got us? Nowhere. Because Dr. King and the Freedom Party before us, Dr. King house was bombed. The third day he went out in March. That's the type of courage we got to have. People can say he was passive and all that because of the nonviolence. But the brother mm-hmm. had heart. And we're missing that with this to today's generation. And even those who may be from that generation, they lost that heart. And that's because we fell in a place of comfortability. Barack Obama, who I do respect, was a good president as far as like giving us hope and things like that. But there's mm-hmm. a negative side to his campaign because it also made us believe, and he kind of played a role in making us believe that we have overcame. So we went from singing, we shall overcome. And when he got elected, we start singing, we have overcome. And that's just the complete opposite. If you look at the Obama administration, there were more black lives taken than any other administration. And so it actually skyrocketed. And I think it's because people took a Obama laxative. People took an Obama uh, sleep medicine. People became sleep and laid down because we got a black president. It's all good. Democrats took over the White House. We could do the cabbage patch, do the running man, and it put us to sleep. But then those who were prepping for Donald Trump to take over were working overtime. And so now you see that like for the last eight years, we was on the ground. Now they can trample over us because we wasn't moving. We should have been using that time to be organizing. We got comfortable as if he had a life term. So to me, I would say that Obama, in some ways, was one of the worst things that could have happened to us because it made us believe that we were free when we were not. And that's why you're seeing the George Zimmerman cases, the George Floyd cases, where black folks can literally be lynched. These are modern day lynchings, you know? So it's time for us to step up, to speak up, to stand up, to rise up, and to stop being afraid to make a difference in the communities and in the nation, because if we don't, we will be slaughtered. Mm. I think... I think the problem is, um, especially the point where you're saying that we need to have that courage and that heart. I think the problem is with me too, in my opinion, is like, we care about it for a certain period of time and then give it like two or three more weeks and then people just stop. People just stop caring. People stop caring about the community. People stop caring about marching. People stop caring about um, going to the, to the um, trying to push, walk down the streets and everything and be, uni- and be uh, in unity and everything like that. So it's like, you do it for social media clout and you're trying to do all this but you're really not out there trying to make a difference. You're not out there trying to make a change because it's just, it comes and goes. If you notice, in my, at least what I've noticed in the last few years, whenever we have cases like this, we care about it so much for like maybe two, three weeks. And then a majority of, especially black folk, they just, we just stop. And we think it's all good and we just go back to our normal lives. Have fun and have, and have your normal life, of course, but obviously if there's an issue, do something out there you know, to, to make change or or to, to push your agenda, you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of touching on the point that you said is that we need to have that courage and that fire and that heart. Because no matter what, no matter if they got pushed back, no matter back then, Martin Luther King era and civil rights movement, everything like that, no matter what, they got pushed back, they got spit on, they got, they got punched, they got arrested, killed, all that. But they kept going and they kept marching. Yeah. I think that's where our generation needs to find that fire 
and just know that we have to keep going, keep moving, and keep doing different things. Get creative. Get creative, you know what I mean? And that's why I appreciate you putting on different events because like, we got to get creative with what we're doing. We can't just sit there every time and just, and, and I see it like this. We can't just sit there every time and just, and just stand and protest the entire time. We got to find different ways to create change. We got to go into our communities. We got to educate our people. We got to go out there and, and provide education and resources for those that don't have it the best way that we can. Not saying we have the resources to just give people, but we have to find little ways and join groups or or whatever you can do just to to, to, to spill your message out. And that's kind of how I feel about the situation. And I think that I agree with you on that fire part. We need to have that courage and that heart to go out there and keep pushing. And Bro, we, gotta, think, we have we have to stop being scared. You know, I think you said something that's so profound. You say, you know, we get out there and that's why people just stop talking about it. And you know why that is, brother? It's because we don't figure out a way to connect with it in a personal level, right? Uh -huh. So we protest and all of that. If you watch what I do, I've never just protested, right? I understand that true activism, true revolutionary struggle is serving the people. That's the foundation to everything. So if you see exactly. what I do with, with All Shades United, New Era Las Vegas, we've always had survival programs, pending revolution, you know, which is basically having boots on the ground with the people 365. You can't organize a community you don't go in. You can't stand for people that you ain't around. And too many of our leaders and too many of people who don't want to be a leader are afraid to make a sacrifice that is a 365 type of operation. It's anybody can go protest. But most exactly. of these protesters, are they going to come out with us when we give out food in the hood? Absolutely not. What they're going to do is they're going to come out on Thanksgiving and pass out some turkeys. They're going to give out toys on Christmas. It's got to take more than that. We don't just give out turkeys during Thanksgiving and toys during Christmas. We're giving out toys and turkeys and tissue and water and whistles, 365, because when you do, the fire doesn't go out. Protesting is a seasonal thing. You only protest when there's a call and a reason to protest. Mm -hmm. So if you only protest three, four times a year, like you said, where's the creativity? There's no creativity. Sorry about that. There's no creativity in anything you do because it's a seasonal thing. Mm -hmm. There's a song that says, give love on Christmas day. I disagree, give love on every day. We mm -hmm. live in a world where it teaches us to only do things in seasons. So my encouragement to people is find a cause that is never gonna die out. And the way you do that mm -hmm. is you connect to it. So if you understand part of combating white supremacy is going in the hood, giving out food, then you're gonna keep doing it. But when you think the only way to combat white supremacy is to protest, you're not going to last. So and I understand I think, that. My bad, go ahead, finish, go ahead, finish. Now understand when we go into protests, when we go into communities to give out, give out food, we're having conversations about organizing. Mm -hmm. So when it's time to protest, they're going to say, man, it's a stretch, I'm with you. They're going to stand with me with no hesitation. Why? Because when they were hungry, we gave them food. When they were thirsty, we gave them drink, as the Bible says. So that's why it's important to, like you said, get creative and be consistent with the people because that's your foundation. Most of the police terrorism cases happen in the hood. So that's why it's important to go to the hood, police the communities. If we get over there and break up the fight before the police show up, that's one less brother who has to interact with the police. So you gotta join the organization that's doing neighborhood patrols. You gotta join the organization that's going out making sure our sisters ain't getting kidnapped and sex trafficked. That's how you bring change, because we need to make sure we have very little interactions with the police. And it's not saying any disrespect to them or the so-called good cops, but it's saying we don't know who's good or bad when you pull up on the scene. So to avoid us being the next George Floyd, let's call on New Era Las Vegas. Let's call on other groups to make sure they're the peacemakers before anything escalates. That's how you bring change. That's how you be creative. That's how you stay creative. And that's how you make sure that you have multiple avenues because if you keep doing the same thing, like protesting, you're gonna get you're gonna get burnt out. Mm -hmm. I like that's how you why said, it's important. I like how you said how that's seasonal too, because that's definitely true. Like it's kind of like a seasonal thing. I mean, we go out there and protest when the call when when we need when when it's it's calling us when we need it. But I agree with you on that hundred percent. And my thing is, especially for adult and, and our my black brothers and sisters in the black community, is that I think we need to start in our own neighborhoods, like you said, in our own community. We need to go in our own neighborhoods, our own community, and, and help 
and educate the best way we can to our own brothers and sisters. We got to make change in our own neighborhoods before we can go out and, and have the white man say, oh, it's okay, we accept you now. No, accept ourselves first. Love ourselves. Because you can't try to make change and you can't go out there and try to expect other people to love us if we don't even love ourselves. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think I'm big on that is that we need to make, like, I, that's why I really enjoy the fact that you go into our own communities and our own neighborhoods and, and try to make change there first. Because if we make change there first and get everybody grouped together, and get everybody to love each other, get everybody to support each other in the black community instead of being against each other and trying to hurt right. each other over, uh, uh, over a block that we don't even own, you know what I mean? It's like, Let's come together first, and then we can make change, and then we can continue to protest. Then we can that's continue right. to uh, continue to march in our streets and everything like that. So, I mean, that's just my big thing is that we need to work on ourselves first as come well. On. I'm not saying don't go protest. That's not what I'm not. I'm not saying that. You at ain't all. saying that at all. Go out there, spread your message, rise up, rise your fist up, go out there and do what you got to do. But after that protest, make sure that you're helping your brothers and sisters as well. You know what I mean? And and my thing is that. People that aren't in the black community, you know, our allies and everything like that, y'all need to come to our neighborhoods with us. You know what I'm saying? You out there protesting and walking and everything like that. I get that. Thank you so much for the love and support. But where you at when New Era Las Vegas, for example, is out there handing out handing out water and out there helping people that are struggling in our own community? That's where the, the we know the problem. We know the big overview problem. But if we get to the root of it which is our own neighborhoods and our communities, and we work together and help each other rise up, then we can be stronger together. You know what I mean? There's a lot of our brothers and sisters in the hood, back in Vegas, back in Philly, back in Texas, anywhere, that aren't educated on certain things. So now I'm gonna go into the thing about, the, about how the media is portraying us looting and everything like that. It's like, there's so, I'm 50-50 on a subject because there's people out there that just in our communities that's not, that's just simply not educated on certain things, which is why I'm mm -hmm. saying we got to go into our own neighborhoods and educate them because then that causes the, uh, the people that don't know to go out there and just loot because they don't even know what they're doing it for. Now, I understand why we loot. We mad, we upset, we angry. Right. And when we peacefully protest, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not working. If we peacefully protest, it's not working, what are we going to do? It's going to be violent. Martin Luther King said that, that riots and, and everything like that, I don't know the exact quote word for word, but rioting is the voice of, of the unheard. When y'all not hearing... The language of the unheard. Exactly, yeah. So if you're not hearing this, we're going to go out there and make some noise. That's right. But my problem is, go back to the education part and helping out our own brothers and sisters first, is that you guys can't go out there with no purpose. Don't go out there looting for no purpose. If you're going out there looting, I get it, but have a purpose on your back. You know what I'm saying? Understand what the issue is and why you're looting. We're upset and we're angry, but don't go out there and just say, oh, I'm going to grab a new TV because everybody else doing it and go home and not care anything, not care at all. Don't grab a new TV and don't talk about it no more. Don't grab a new TV and not go out there and try to make a difference in your community. If you're going to grab a TV, I better see you <laughs> on the front lines, I better see you at least trying to make some type of change, some type of noise. You know what I'm saying? And that's just kind of how I feel about it. But we can, how do you, so that goes into just a next question then. How do you personally feel about what the violence and everything that's going on, like the looting, the media saying that we're looters and everything like that. How do you feel about the looting situation? I just want to hear your perspective on that. Well, as I said earlier, you know, Malcolm X said it best, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost, you know, and Jesus said it best, you reap what you sow, you know, so even though I'm not a fan of us breaking in target, I believe we are targets. And so therefore, we tired of being targets. And so when the targets tired of being a target, you're going to break in target. It ain't it ain't coincidence that we started <laughs> just going in target. We may not really know subconsciously that God aligned that to make sense, but it does. You know, we ain't going Walmart, we went in Target. We tired of being Target. And so, you know, now we see some of the footage and it's more of our allies uh, going to places to do the loot and things like that. And I can't really say I'm mad at them because I believe that, you know, the worst person to piss off is a white person that start waking up to what's going on. They will burn, they will burn it right down. You know, I do think that they need to understand, just make sure you're in alignment with the black leadership. 
and just make sure that you understand that whatever you do, we're gonna get we're gonna get accused for it. It's gonna end up being exactly. Black Lives Matter protesters. Exactly. It's not gonna be white people at Black Lives Matter. And so exactly. that's my messaging to those brothers and sisters that we appreciate your support, your allyship, but just be mindful that you still have privilege. You know, if you throw a Molotov cocktail and I throw one, I'm getting life in prison. You may get 10 years. So there's still two different levels of privilege. But overall, I think that we need to address, I'm so sorry, my dog in the background. No we problem. need to we need to address the fact that there is a problem that has produced and put people in the position to lose, white or black. Exactly, exactly. You yep. know, I don't believe, do I believe that some people who are looting are white could be agents, uh, agitators, informant provocateurs? Absolutely. And I believe there are a whole lot of white people who are just pissed off and angry like everybody else, and it's how they're showing it. You got some black folks and some Hispanic folks who are tired as well. But I also believe too, that no matter what, this should be a wake up call to America. Don't focus on the loot. Focus on the fact, how can we make sure because you gave us a reason to lose. Even if you exactly. use agents or whoever to do it or fake allies or whatever people are calling them, you still created the climate for people to lose. Nobody's gonna just go out and break into Target unless there's a protest, unless the protest gets a, gets huge and it gets a little rowdy. And once it gets rowdy, the police get aggressive. We're not talking about the fact that a lot of these cops are provoking it. Very disrespectful, very aggressive, very out of pocket pushing folks, spray painting folks, uh, uh, I mean, spraying and macing folks. Don't just act like it's the people doing it. These, exactly. a lot of these police and, you know, what I would call pigs, because in that moment they're acting like animals, they are the ones that is antagonizing the people. Don't get me wrong. There are some folks who come out there ready to turn up, but I've been seeing enough footage to make me believe that a lot of it is being provoked. So my mm -hmm. thing is, let's not just deal with the product, let's get with the producer. Let's get with who's making this the climate. People was chilling. But when you kill George Floyd, when you put him on Artbury, you're creating the climate. We always yeah. say, well, what about black on black crime? But we don't look at the fact that who created the, the black on black crime conditions? We didn't just fly to Nicaragua to get cocaine. They gave us that. We didn't build the liquor store. They put them in our community. We didn't ask for them to take away any GM. They didn't put no GMs there. They took the man out the home to divide the black family. These are things by design. So when we say, what about black on black crime? These things are socially created for us to stay at the bottom of the barrel and for us to continue to be dependent on white supremacy. So my thing is, opposed to me judging black on black crime, quote unquote, or judging the looters or the rioters or the rebellions as we call them, I wanna judge the fact that why did George Floyd's killer sit on him for five minutes? Why did exactly. that uh, Texas Ranger killed Sandra Bland and then said that she hung herself. Why did uh, a 12-year-old Tamir Rice get killed at a park playing? Why yeah. do you say that's the why we should ask? I think when you so when you're more mad about Target being burned down and you're not upset about the fact that we're moving Target, that lets me know where your priority lies. Exactly. And so I do not condone rioting. I do not condone any violence, but I also believe too what you expect. Because what it's, it's gonna come down to two things, Doc. It's gonna come down, people are gonna start turning on the cops, or they're gonna turn on property. And police gotta ask themselves, what do you prefer? I pray mm. for neither one situation to take place, but let's just keep it 100. Folks mm. is getting fed up. I think the I saw videos of people jumping on the police. They not playing no more, people are tired. Mm. So you make, make your mind. I think the big problem too that I have an issue with is that um, there's a lot of people that that are in the black community outside of that um outside of um being black is that they they're why when the media starts saying that oh we're looting and doing all this now y'all now that's all y'all focused on why are you focused on the fact that we're out there destroying property we're out there doing this whatever yada yada whatever y'all saying but at the end of the day those people that are criticizing people that are looting and rioting they don't even understand the root of the problem like you said and I think that's the issue. Why do you care so much about property that can be replaced when there's black innocent lives being taken for no reason? Yep. Material stuff can be replaced. Who cares? Yep. You over here sitting there, oh, but Target, no, no, no. I can, 
the tar- the CEO of Target, I didn't read his thing, but I heard CEO of Target is saying that we're fine. Target's good. We will make sure that those people, um, we will make sure that the people that lost their jobs at that store or whatever are are they get their they get their funds and they get their jobs back. That's fine. Material stuff can be replaced. Lives can't. Black there lives can't. Innocent black lives can't. I think that's the issue. And I'm tired of people, I'm tired of scrolling on my Facebook. I'm tired of hearing people saying that uh, violence is not the key. Why are you guys looting? You're fi- you're destroying property for no reason. No, no, no. You don't know the problem. When we sitting there peacefully protesting, when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, there still was an issue. Yeah. So if we sitting there peacefully protesting, you still not listening, and we still getting killed, what you think we gonna do? Like you just said, what you think we gonna do? At the I'm end sorry. Of the, day, the way I feel is this: just don't burn down the black community. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I'm not. I'm don't. I mean, preferably don't burn down anything. But at the end of the day, I get it because you know Kaepernick took a knee, all hell broke loose. White folks can run in the capitals and scream in people's faces, holding with machine ARs. guns with ARs. Do you know what they would have done to us? They would have smoked us getting out the car. We wouldn't even got up the steps. For real? They would have lit yes. us up. Is you crazy? Screaming. Not just holding the guns in a strap as like you're going hunting, holding it, finger in the trigger, hand on the, you know, on the uh on the uh the piece to look through the the eyepiece and everything ready to go to war so yes. to me i personally feel like man look at this point we need to address the fact that america has created the climate of violence america has started the violence it was violent when you took hundreds of slaves millions of slaves against their wheel brought them to africa it was violence when you came here and you saw the Native Americans. It was violence when you put us through 100 years of Jim Crow. It was violence when they killed MLK, Malcolm X, when they mm. bombed Philly in 1985 with the Africa Move Movement. It was Receipts. violence when they killed every black Receipts. person from 2000 to now. So, you know, you taught us violence. And I mean, mm-hmm. so it's easy to say stop the violence, but who created it? You know, and so I think issue- if Dr. King was living, I think Dr. King would expect it because he understood Understands. as he got close to the latter part of his life, he started seeing the young folks starting to rise up because mm-hmm. they say, okay, we tried it your way, Doc. No, 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 what are we going to do? That's why it's important to give folks justice when they ask for it. Because but if you issue, do, you won't get to this point. But the issue is, is why is, is the media trying to portray how the violence and everything like that. And everybody's saying, why are y'all looting and being violent and attacking officers and everything like that. But they don't realize that there's a lot of peaceful protesters out there that are actually protesting peacefully, but then the officers incite the violence. So if you sitting there pushing people, uh, somebody walking to their car to get in their car, not doing anything, and you tackling them, what you think gonna happen? So my point is, is that don't say that we just going out there being violent, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, cities that where their police department is actually inciting the violence, running people over there with their cars, doing this and that, laughing in people's faces, not not taking it serious. Of course, it's gonna start violence. When you sitting there dragging people out of cars and you throwing tear gas at people and making them having to go to the hospital because you hurting they, uh, messing their eye out and eye socket coming out and all that. When stuff like that happens, it's going to be violence. And at the end of the day, how I see it is that we can only peacefully protest for so long. Something going to happen. You see, and uh, what I don't understand is that why when we had to go out there and riot and tear, and tear stuff up for that officer to be arrested. You know what I mean? It's like if we if we were just peacefully protesting like we always do and we were just marching, I'm pretty sure I may not be right, but I'm pretty sure that officer probably wouldn't have been arrested. And we still got three more we gotta arrest. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget about that. I mean three. I mean the, the way you bring change is two ways, but it's a two and one. It's applying pressure. You either gonna apply pressure with violence or you're gonna apply pressure with disrupting business as usual or the third thing is you're going to apply pressure with demands so the reason why i say peaceful protests work is because you're supposed to protest with demands so on this friday we're having a protest at doolittle park we're asking that the governor speak out and that he create two bills an excessive police force bill and the right to know bill for us to have access to every police officer's file those are demands and we're letting him know we have a thousand folks who are marching with us. If you don't meet our demands, then we're gonna go to plan B, right? 
option B. If you don't give us justice, we're going to riot. We're going to lose. It's about applying the pressure. Option one, uh, you know, like I said, people do the, the, the protest where they disrupt, whether it's getting in the street, storming in businesses, handcuffing themselves to certain establishments. You got to shake some up. So it's not that protesting don't work, but you have to make sure, you know, however you protest or you resist or you revolt, it has to be done in a way that's applying pressure. So it's not to say that rioting is taken more serious. That's why the officer got arrested. It's to say, because people raised hell about Ahmaud Arbery and, and the guys were arrested. They hadn't rioted yet. So it's not necessarily rioting that works, but what they do, they went to the officer's home. Not the officer, but the two uh, white supremacists, they went to their home and was like, come outside. We're going to citizens arrest you. So the police get there like, okay, let's go and take them in. So you have to apply some type of pressure. That's why I'm an advocate for protests and I always will be. You know, I know that me and you had the president where, you know, you were my first photographer. So a lot of my early pictures of movement work, you would come out and document that. And you remember back in 2016, we were downtown protesting. It was about applying pressure. You know, in 2017, I got arrested with some of my old uh, organization members. And two days later, the officer that killed Tashi Brown Farmer was fired and arrested. He didn't get convicted, but he was still arrested. It made a statement. So that's why I'm saying you got to apply pressure. And we didn't smash anything, but we got in the street and we shut down that traffic. We shut down that main artery and said, we're not getting out this street until justice is served. So that's how you bring change, applying pressure. Applying pressure in the hood by bringing love, peace, uh, resources. Applying pressure if you believe in voting in the ballot box. Applying pressure economically by supporting every black business you can get your hand on. Applying pressure by using your social media platform, using your Snapchat and your Instagram and your Facebook to put, you know, at least two, three posts a week that has to do with black culture. That's how you win. You have to apply pressure. You know, Harriet, Harriet Tubman, Harriet Tubman applied pressure on the other slaves and convinced them to leave with her. Many slaves didn't want to go, but they were content. They were, they were satisfied. They didn't like it, but they had accepted it. So she applied pressure on them, right? Dr. King and his team applied pressure on the buses to demand that they get treated fairly. You got to apply pressure because if you don't, why would it let up? It's not going to let up. A system that is designed to break you will never build you. And we keep asking for a system that is in place to destroy and oppress and suppress to treat us fairly. It's never going to do that. We have to apply pressure and direct that system in the right place. And we can do it peacefully. We can do it without violence. But when those try to use violence as a way to apply pressure, don't judge them. Because you don't know if they tried to vote and it didn't work for them or they felt that way. You don't know if they tried to boycott. Everybody don't just go from kicking the door down. Some people twist the knob. And after you keep twisting it and it don't open, you're going to get frustrated. And you're going to start nudging and you're going to step back and you'll kick it in. So that's what's happening right now. People are kicking down the door. But the question is, why was the door locked? Mm-hmm. And exactly what you're saying. But And I, I kind of want to touch on this topic about um, how people that are allies and people that are not in the Black community are saying like, um, how that's not the answer and violence not the answer and everything like that. And I kind of want to touch on the subject that if you're not, if you're not, if you don't look like us, if you're not black, if you're not a black man, you're not a black woman, you would never truly understand the pain that we go through, why we're frustrated, why we're doing what we're doing, and the stuff that we're and and simply you just can't understand. You will never truly understand. That's right. And the problem and the problem is if you don't truly understand, why don't you sit down and listen and get educated on it? You know what I mean? Right. Don't sit there and think you know what we're going through. That's like me saying, oh, your family member died. And I'm saying, why are you mad for? It's all right. It's okay. She's He's at peace. And then you're looking at me like, what you mean? You don't know what I'm feeling. Or like, if you if you get a paper cut and I'm like, Stretch, what you crying for? It's not that serious. I don't know what pain yeah. you're going through, but I'm acting like right. I do. Oh, yeah, man. What you crying for, bro? It's just a paper cut. No, but it's deeper than that. You know what I mean? So it's like... If you sitting there saying, you can't tell me, you can't sit there and comment back. If I post them, you can't comment back and say, no, you're wrong. This shouldn't happen. No, you don't understand. You will never understand. And I think that's, uh, I got in a lot of Facebook 
Facebook discussions, the Facebook conversations where people were just saying like the all lives matter and this and that, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not the point where y'all don't understand. And if you don't understand, just sit back and listen. I think that's my biggest problem. And I think it's not, it's not, I don't, I personally feel like it's not always our job to, to be a decent human being. I mean, to, to let somebody know that you have to be a decent human being. So it's like, you can't be a decent human being. It's our job to sit there and tell you how to be a decent human being. That police officer could have been a decent human being and got his, got his, uh, his leg off of that man. Handcuffed on the ground. Be a decent human being. Oh, you can't breathe. I'm sorry. He handcuffed. What are you going to do? Punch you? You know what I mean? So it's like, be it, like, it's not, it's not, it's not the black man's job to always tell you how to be a decent human being. And if you don't know, why don't you ask and sit back and listen? Have a conversation with someone. Have a conversation with Minister Stress Sanders and understand why we're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think it's all about conversation and dialect. And uh, people just need to understand that. And my biggest, that all lives matter thing, I don't understand it. I don't understand why people keep pushing it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, human life matters. We're not saying human life don't matter. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But the reason why we saying black lives matter is because y'all acting like it don't. All the killing, all the innocent killing, everything like that. So it's a reason why we're doing this. It's a reason why we're saying Black Lives Matter. If this wasn't happening to us, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be out there protesting Black Lives Matter. There's a reason that we're doing it. So of course, a human life matters. That's not the point. That's like me saying, that's like that's like um, I saw an analogy <laughs> on Twitter it was saying like that's like saying all lives matter is saying oh well we got all these fires that we got to put out right. We got all these fires and. Um, there's a big, there's a super big fire right next to me, but I'm gonna go put out the little baby fire real quick because my my life matter too. No, we gonna go to what's important right now. We gonna go to what's, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna go to the bigger fire because that's probably gonna tear down 23 buildings versus a little fire that's gonna tear down three buildings. I'm gonna put out the big fire. So that's all, right. that's, that's, that's what I understand about that all lives matter thing. It's not, we're not saying that human life don't matter, but first you gotta, a black life have to, has to matter as well. Can we matter too? You know what I mean? So I think that's that's my problem to it. How do you feel about, can you elaborate a little bit for the people about your, um, about how you feel about that All Lives Matter thing? I just kind of want to hear your perspective on that. Well, I think that many of our white counterparts, I think they struggle with guilt. And that's because white people secretly, they feel bad and they know that many of them know a lot of them out of ignorance may not, but many of them know that they are in fact in the position where they are because they ancestors climbed the ladder while using us as the boots. And so that's why they're always, why you can't, why BET? If you ever, whenever you exclude white people, they always get offended. True. So it wasn't yeah, that we yeah, said black lives matter. It was the fact that how dare you exclude me? I'm white, I'm entitled. Uh -huh. I'm in the magazines, I'm in the TV shows, I run everything, I'm privileged. It's an entitlement. And the entitlement is them, they feel if we all are lumped together, we will forget what they've done to us. That's where the guilt comes in at. No, don't do Black Lives Matter, don't do BET, because if you do Black Lives Matter and BET, then y'all may start discussing us. And if y'all start discussing us, y'all may turn on us, but they don't understand that black folks have never advocated for violence as the aggressor. Our mm -hmm. cry has always been leave us the hell alone. It's never been about, oh, we finna go. You, you can't name one time where the masses of black folks have attacked an innocent white person that was not provoked. Everything they have done to us was always being the aggressor. So that's why when they say all lives matter, it does make me sick to my stomach but I understand that they say it because of the fact that they are filled with guilt and they don't like being excluded because then they finally know how it feels a little bit to possibly be a person of color. So for them, they gotta be a part of everything. And if, you, if they see you rising and climbing, because the majority of white people don't wanna see us shine. That's just real. They want us to be at their feet, begging for them to do for us what we, we can do for ourselves. That's why you don't never see a bunch of white people come into black hood and give us money and help us rebuild and give us funding without any strings attached. They may try to sponsor you, but at what cost? And that's because they have the mentality that they want to see us do well, 
but not better than them. And so that's why it's important to understand that when they say all lives matter, don't take it personal because you know why they're saying that. They need to understand your life does not matter like the same level mind. It matters better. If I say my elbow hurt, you come and say your knee hurt. Why didn't you say your knee hurt if I said my elbow? They waited till we said, oh, we're sick. Now all of a sudden they sick too. Mm-hmm. And it's so offensive, especially when you ain't really sick. Hell, if Hispanics say all lives matter, I could take that a little more because, hell, Hispanic lives, they struggling too. Not like us, but at least that's a little struggle. But when you're living in a big house on the hill and, you know, eating calamari, shrimp, little lobster tail, dipping in butter, and you're talking about, you know, drinking a little wine and talking about, I'm sick like you, I'm poor like you. And I'm like, bro, you drove with beans coming down the hill. Ain't that your crib up there living like uh, the Empress New Groove? Now, how can you say that? So that's why they say that. But I think that we combat that with education. We combat that with teaching because you know what produces all lives matter? What produces all lives matter is the saying of, I don't see color, which is a privileged statement to make. Yeah, that's a problem. Because uh-huh. to say I don't see color and I'm black as hell. I want you to see my color. Exactly. I'm proud of my color. But exactly. you can say that though, right? You have the privilege to say, I don't see color or I'm colorblind. Or they say, God doesn't see color. How can you create what you don't see? He did see uh, it because exactly. he made it. So they don't want to believe that, but they do that with everything, right? Before Jesus was white, he was black. You understand? Before the angels was white, they were black. And so white people typically change things to their liking. And then they erase history and tell us, the sky ain't blue, we can see it's blue. So we have to do is teach them, especially our allies, especially those that actually do have love for our community, teach them. I'm not saying beg them, because some people ain't gonna get it. But try your best to educate anyone who wants to learn on why all lives matter is offensive and why colorblindness and any of that is offensive. But don't waste your time getting emotional and getting mm-hmm. upset because that energy should be channeled properly in the right way and when you have a debate and a back and forth with somebody that does not look like you that's probably not going to understand it in that moment you're wasting your time and so it's best to plant the seed and move on exactly and um i kind of want to go into that feeding off of what you said about um like they they feel guilty and they want to feel included as well but i kind of want to uh transfer over a little bit to different minority groups and I've been seeing it all the time, not even before this George Floyd situation, I see, I've been seeing it for the last few years, um, is that I don't understand why different minority groups want to compare their oppression. You know what I mean? It's like, and I know, and I know you got a lot to say about that, but it's just like, why are you trying to compare your oppression to our oppression? We go through different things, but like, it's not a battle. It's not a, it's not a, a game. It's not a competition to who's getting oppressed more. Oh, I'm getting killed more by police officers than you. So, you know what I mean? It's just like, why? It's, and a, it's, it's a it's an insecurity, brother. It's an insecurity because... But it's, yeah. yeah. It's an insecurity uh, because at the end of the day, if when you're so secure in your struggle, you don't have... Black people will never use somebody else's platform of struggle to announce that we're in pain. When folks uh-huh. do that, that tell you right there that... It's a jealousy thing. I mean, I mean, let's just keep it real. Every race bites off us. Every race. You go in Japan right now, they got they got braids, bow wow braids, straight to the back. So every minority race wants to try to be equal with us. They want everything we have. They even, sometimes they even act like they want our struggle. They really don't, but they try to come across like, we got it bad too. And a lot of our immigrant family who I have love for, they, they get caught up in well, my father made 25 cents an hour in Mexico and we came here and we built something out of nothing. And what they don't understand is like, no, not quite. Like when your father came here, there was a foundation. Like in the foundation that your father built, uh, the stores they own, yes, it may have been Native American land, but in that land is black blood. In that land is black sweat. In that land is black cry, black agony, you know, black hair, black you know, uh, debris, you know, uh, this black period. 
So your people came here with the door knocked down. It's easy to come into a place and be like, man, I struggled to get in here, man. I'm the first person in the house. And you don't acknowledge the fact that before you came in this house, somebody else had to break down the wood and open up the window and climb through the chimney to get in. So then they open the door and leave it open. And then years later, you finally found your way and say, oh man, I, oh man, I struggled getting up some stairs. And you think because you walked up some stairs and you had a breath that you struggled without understanding why was it so easy for me, for me to get in this house? And that's where a lot of Hispanic people and people who are from other countries don't understand. Miss me with that. We came here with nothing stuff. You came here with nothing physically, but when you got here, there was a foundation for you. You know, at the end of the day, you stand on our blood. We built the White House. We built the Pentagon. You know, a black woman stitched the, the first American flag by hand and designed it. So everything that the American people claim, we built, we created. So it's no such thing as, you know, we came here with nothing. You didn't come here with nothing, you came here with something. And so that's why people try to compare struggles because they feel that they can teach us a thing or two, which in some cases they probably can, you know? But understand that y'all ain't had the same struggle we had. Y'all came here by choice. We didn't come out the Nita, the Maria, the Pinta. We came on the slave ship at the bottom with holes on them. So it's a difference, you know? So it's easy to judge and say, well, black people should be doing this. You guys kill your own people, but you don't realize the fact that like, we killing each other because they put us in a position to kill each other. You know, y'all just got here last weekend. We've been here since last year. It's a difference, you know, it's a mm -hmm. difference. And so I yeah. think that the best way to build solidarity is don't judge nobody's struggle. And it's even from us as black folks, it's not our place to use a Hispanic platform to try to say, well, black people, we don't say, Look, let them have their struggle. Because the reality is we need each other. We need to lift each other up as a human family. I don't say human race, I believe there's many races for a reason. But as a human family, and you should not try to diminish or minimize a person's struggle because it's not like yours or because they're not using their platform to bring up your struggle. They don't have to bring up your struggle. That's why I tell black people, stop being so quick to say black and brown folk. You, don't, you rarely hear Hispanics say brown and black. And, I, and I'm not knocking the solidarity piece, but it's okay to be race first. It's okay to love your people first. It's okay to be proud and say, hey, I'm looking out for black first. That's with anything. If a white person sees a black person on the street begging for change, or not begging, but asking for change, and a white and a black person, nine times out of 10, they're probably gonna help that white person first. Is that racism? To me, it's not. It's just being race first. Now, me personally, I'm probably going to give the white person uh, 35 cent and get a black person the rest. That's how I would do it. I'm not just going to leave them empty handed. But it's my job to make sure the person who looks like me, who's at the bottom of the barrel, has a little more to stand on. Because that white person can still clean up and get a job without being discriminated. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it's different. And so I think that if we want to rise together as a human family, we can't judge the struggles. And we got to start understanding why the importance of solidarity building is so important. You know, and you can't build solidarity with a race that you're trying to judge why they're complaining or criticizing the struggle that you, quite frankly, don't know nothing about. So Hispanic people, white people, any other group that's not black, you are not qualified to question why we complain. I've heard it all. You guys got Michael Jordan. You got Oprah Winfrey. Why do you complain? First of all, you ain't qualified to answer that question. You are not qualified. Point blank, period. Well, Hispanics, you know, uh, they do the jobs that this is like the biggest argument. Hispanic people, they do the jobs that we don't want to do. First of all, before a Hispanic person was hanging out at Home Depot to, to, to do landscaping, black folks was hanging out in the field doing it. So don't play us like we wasn't doing the jobs for free for 400 years. So I, I, I salute any Hispanic person and any immigrant, I salute them on how they come over here and they pull their resources and they live in the same house and they get you a house and get you a car. I love the unity, but don't try to use yourself as the catalyst, as the leaders of the Hispanic, I mean, leaders of the minority community. Like you got the blueprint for all of us when your struggle is not like us. I don't care what no one says. The black Holocaust is the worst Holocaust known to me because the, the, the Holocaust in Germany only lasted four, five years. Our Holocaust is still going on. So therefore, you can't compare it. It's not apples to oranges. It's not apples to pears. 
it is apples and lotion, brother. It got two different functions. They can't even be in the same basket. That's how far apart our struggles are. So let's not be naive to think that in order to build solidarity with other races, we have to minimize our struggle or damn our life to say, yeah, you're right. No, 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 they're not right. They don't have that right to question it. That's not your right. Only ones that can question how we protest, how, what we do, how we do it, or why we complain is us. If you're not us, you're never going to understand. I don't care if you got black kids, a black spouse. It's just not your place. Yeah, and I think that it's it comes down to that one that one situation where it's just like we all we got at the end of the day. Um, at the end of the day, we got to stick together as brothers and sisters, and then accept other people into our community. That's how I. See it. Yeah. Gotta, like I said, like I mentioned before, we got to love ourselves first, and we got to uplift each other. We we like especially our black community. There's a lot of us that's still against each other. I'm still arguing over over pointless things. So I just think at the end of the day, we all we got. So how about instead of arguing, instead of being against each other, let's love one another and let's stick together as a community. And we can bring other people in our community. Then they can be our allies and they can help us out and march with us and everything like that. Let's work on ourselves first. And that's just the big thing. And I would, I and I would say this, beloved, we can still have allies. Like we yeah, can course, still say, hey, we have a group of people of other races that we work with for a specific situation. But exactly, yeah. allies don't don't get confused. We take allies and then we 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 make we give them where they say a black pass. Ain't no such thing. Yeah, there's uh-huh, no like, black pass. Yeah. You have an ally. I grew pass. up with you. I, yeah, uh-huh. no, 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 ain't no, ain't no black pass. You're not black. Yeah, you know? exactly. And this Bill Clinton was the first black president. That's an insult to Barack Obama. Yeah, exactly. Right? You said like. Yeah. So we have to stop thinking like that. Like there is no. It's okay to have white friends and say he's white. He's not a wigger. He doesn't get a white pass. He don't get an N-word pass. Stop yeah, exactly. being so comfortable to just feel like people from other groups just can just walk in. And that's why they don't respect us because we have no boundaries. Set up boundaries. The same way in your household, your mother tell you don't argue with your siblings in front of other people or don't bust our family business. We have to have a code of conduct. And other mm-hmm. races will respect it. But we have to first set the boundaries because you're not going to go up and love Mexico trying to run stuff. They will shut you immediately down. Exactly. So we have to understand it's okay to say, "Hey, we're gonna be race first. That doesn't I'm mean black. that we're gonna that no. we're anti." Pro I love my blackness. Mm-hmm. It's, and there's nothing wrong with that because at, when black people rise, Hispanics will rise. When Hispanics mm-hmm. will rise, Native Americans can rise. Yellow people can rise. We will rise when you lift up the the the, the, the heaviest your of own the community. Yeah. So where's the bulk of the human family is sinking because black folks got the most burden on our shoulders. So exactly. if we can start taking off that burden off our shoulders, then the boat can rise a little bit because we don't have all the crack cocaine, the liquor stores, the police killings, the white, it's all heavy. So we bring in the human family boat down. Exactly. And once and we I get think, it off our shoulders, it can flow better. And I think, and I agree with you hundred percent. I just think also as well, how about me saying that like we all, we got, we got to stick together. But also if you choose to allow, um, your our white counterparts or whatever you or whoever interracial dating whatever you want to bring into your family or bring into the community then you should expect your partner to be on that same not be on the same level as you because they would never understand but to be there for you and 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 speak up you love us you love our like you love you love our culture you love our black men you love you have our black sisters everything like that but are you going to be there to ride with us are you going to be there to be an ally and understand how to be an ally don't just say like, oh, I have a black friend or I got a black husband or I got a black wife or whatever and expect, think that you're an ally. Oh, I'm cool. I got black kids. I got mixed kids. Okay. That don't mean, be an ally then if that's what you want to say. A good ally. Be, be educated on the topic. Understand the struggle. Understand why you would never fully understand, but try to grasp, grasp the big picture of it, of why your husband or why your wife feels this way. Like, you know, it's just like... If say for instance, if I'm interracially dating and and say you have a um, a white girlfriend or a white wife, it's like they will never understand your struggle. So if you choose to bring them in your life, then what are you gonna do to make sure that that your wife is aware of why this is wrong or why this and that? But me personally, I this is me personally. I think our black brothers and sisters should stick together no matter what, and we should love each other. And I don't have anything wrong with interracial dating, but. At the same time, it's like, how how can you interracially date if they truly never understand your struggle? So I'm just like, if you choose interracially date, we all we got, black folks is all we got. So if you choose that path, make sure that they're being that right ally that they're supposed to be. Don't just say that, 
I got a black husband, black wife, so I'm cool. I'm chilling. That's right. I know a lot of, I know a lot of, um, um, what, what am I saying? I know a lot of folks out there that's, that has like a, a, that are actually interracially dating right now and their counterpart isn't speaking on any issue. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you're not going to at least speak on it, if you're not going to be out there protesting none of that, who are you to say that, um, to tell your counterpart, your husband or your wife, how you feel? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's just like, don't tell me how I feel. If you truly never understand, you don't choose to understand. So it's just like, we all we got. And I just want to get this one last big thing out the way for this episode is that love, my big message right now is if love, love each other, love or your own black community, love your brothers and sisters, lift them up, you know, support them and, and just be hand in hand with each other. Because once we get that, oh, I'm telling you, they're going to be scared. Once we come together as one and love each other and stick together and be strong with each other, it's going to be scary. It's already scary right now. But if we continue that and not give up and keep pushing and have that fire that you mentioned before and love one another, I'm not saying love the human race. I'm talking about love our, our community and help each other out like you doing New Era Las Vegas everything like y'all going from different communities and y'all helping each other out and you trying to bring that bond together and if you have the opportunity in the platform to educate your people then educate them the best way that you can if they don't listen I understand but you can't just give up there's a reason why they don't listen we've been built we've been oppressed for so long that it's hard sometimes it's just they just we just don't know that's right we just don't know. We so dug deep into our own lives and our own community and our own hood and everything like that. We, we just don't know. So if you have that platform, that's why I respect you 100% uh, stretches that you out there having a platform for yourself. You make sure that people know. And I, I like a video you posted the other day about being a leader. My thing is too, I kind of want to make a quick comment on that is that you guys got to go out there and be leaders. But stretch, what I feel like is that some people just don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't know how to be leaders. So I get what you're saying about y'all need to go out there, have that courage, that fire. But not everybody is built to be a leader. Just because mm-hmm. not because not because they they can't be a leader, but they just don't know. So that's why we mm-hmm. have, need to have people like you. We have other people on the front lines that's that's being a leader for them, being a voice for them. For instance, like the white supremacists out there in the world. Whenever when Donald Trump became president, that became their voice. That's right. You know what I mean. So if you are their voice. That's going to allow them to rise up and become leaders eventually. So I, that's right. I, I so that's my big thing. On is like I know we, we got to go out there and be leaders, but if you don't know how to be a leader, how you gonna start? So I that's just right. think that we just need to educate our brothers and sisters. That's why I kind of want to just, especially with this podcast or whatever, I'm trying to do the best that I can to get the word out. When I was at my undergrad at SUU, you know, and, and being vice president of activities, Black Student Union, I tried my best in my college community to put the message out to get our black brothers and sisters in BSU together. And that's why I brought you out to Power In Our Hands, our event that we had, to educate the best way we can so those people that are quiet and scared to speak up can eventually rise up and become one and eventually become leaders. And then once we keep building leaders, it's gonna be scary. So that's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm not gonna take too much of your time, but do you have any like closing remarks on the situation or what's going on because and I appreciate you for coming on the show and everything like that. But do you have any closing remarks, any rebuttals to what I just said or anything like that? And then, um, yes. So my my closing remarks would be, I think that we all can be leaders. We all are leaders and should be leaders. But we have to be clear with what type of leader do we want to be. Because for most of us, leadership is tied to thinking that you have to be in the front, like Minister Stretch, on the bullhorn, on the mic. Everybody's not going to lead like that. Exactly. There right. are so many people who are leaders, or I got to call it better yet, revolutionaries, in their own way. And I think that's the problem. Everybody's trying to be like something they're not. So when I say in messages, be a leader, what that means is take charge of your reality. Take charge of your community. So many folks are sitting on nonprofits and dragging their feet because they're doubting themselves. They're sitting on books they should have wrote that can free people's mentality because they're scared that it's not going to sell. They're sitting on so many great ideas. The richest place is the graveyard. So leadership is not just about two, four, six, eight, you know, in community behind you. No, leadership is being in touch with reality and trying to figure out a way to lead yourself and people 
in it and out of it in a better way. And everybody's not going to do that by just being all into protesting. Some folks will come to protest, but their heavy lane is writing literature that you can read that will free your mind. The autobiography of Malcolm X changed my life on consciousness, right? In a book. So Alex Haley may not have been, you know, protesting, but he was able to take Malcolm's words and Malcolm's story and transform it. Malcolm X didn't protest either. He called the March on Washington a picnic. So, but he was able to transform people by his oratorical skills. So my message is figure out and tap into whatever your spiritual practice. I personally believe in prayer. And after prayer, I, uh, I do put out uh, meditation. And so tap into that. If it's prayer, if it's meditation, if it's, you know, spiritual practices like uh, uh, yoga, Reiki, sound healing, you know, whatever your practice is, use that as time to really figure out who you are. And I think when you know who you are, you can understand where you want to go and how you want to move and where you want to go. You can't go nowhere without really knowing where you want to go. And before you go anywhere, you got to know yourself. And when you know yourself, you got to love yourself. And so I'm with you, brother, when as far as we have to love ourselves, because the moment we love ourselves, the unity, we'll fall in love with each other and the unity will begin to pour and we won't have this hatred or animosity for the next person. If you look at the word brother and the last word of the word brother is other. So you understand that your brother is the other version of you, you will move different. And you will, and before you spend your money with another, you will shop with your brother. So that's how you have to think. And for the sisters, before you spend your money with another, you will shop with your mother. So that's how it has to be. You know, we have to be mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers to each other, but we can't do that until we understand who we first are. So my encouragement right now, I know we're hurting as a nation, but I encourage us to take this man as an opportunity to channel it positively. You know, you know what I did during the coronavirus? I wrote a book. That's what I did. I used that as opportunity to write a book. And so don't think that you don't have power to change your situation for the better. And this is no matter what race you are. It's just a matter, are you willing to get up and do it? Or are you gonna content, are you gonna continue to be content? You got folks who right now upset they don't have a job, but it's the same job that you complained over. It's the same job you called out every day over. It's the same job that you kept saying, I need to hurt and quit it. So all God did was get you to push. Now you say you're tired of working, are you going to go get a real estate license? Are you going to go get a degree? Are you going to get a trade? What are you going to do to change your situation? So when I say we should be leaders, what I'm saying is I'm trying to get us to be self-empowered because the days of us looking to one leader and want have to follow the leader mentality, them days is over. We have to start giving the platform and sharing the platform for other individuals to have a voice. That's what it's about. And so brother, I am honored. I'm thankful that you allowed me to come on this show to share a message of uh, inspiration to our people and to people in general. I do pray and hope that it hopefully settles in somebody's spirit. If people would like to keep up with me, they can go to Instagram at underscore official underscore stretch, underscore official underscore stretch. Also Twitter underscore Minister Stretch Sanders and connect with me, Facebook Stretch Sanders. And let's be in tune because I think it's important that we understand that, you know, we're going to be all right, but we have to, you know, work together, love each other, build each other up, and the rest take care of itself. Exactly. You said that. For real. So, yeah, man, I'm loving what you're saying. I'm loving what you're doing. I love the actions that you're doing, the words that you're putting out. Um, you know, I'm, you've been my brother since high school, so I appreciate the love, and and I'm, I'm happy to see your growth, and I'm happy to see you be being being creative in the ways that you're, you're advocating for our people. So, I mean, that's very important, and I just thank you so much for finally being able to find time i know you're a busy man <laughs> so i appreciate and you, you know what bro and I, I didn't want to prolong it anymore because i didn't want you to think that you are just as important as the breakfast club as cnn or if not even more important because i know you personally I've, I've known you since i was a senior and you was a sophomore and so you know i pretty much uh watched you grow up you know so or i was a junior you was a freshman and i became a senior you came a sophomore. So I, I respect you, brother. I mean, you you two degrees down, 
I'm proud of you, you know? And like you said, you invited me to SUU twice. You know, you gave me my first college opportunity. So I appreciate you, brother. You played a huge role, you know? Like I said, you most of my early pictures of the movement, you took them. And so, man, brother, Doc, job well done. You continue, man, as well as your queen, Sunny. Both of you guys, man, continue to build off each other, build as much as y'all can, and don't allow the things that you guys get under your belt become something that weighs you down where you think you're better than the people, but let it be boost that you use that as an opportunity to lift other folks up. And I say that because I see you guys doing it. And so, man, I'm proud of y'all. I'm proud to be your big bro. You know, you can always call me, man. We can always feel, you know, brother, you yes, know, sir. you on your way, sir. You on your way. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate the love, man, most definitely. And thank you so much for the support and the love and, it's being every step of the way. I don't, no matter what, though, you know, I'm going to be there for you. You're going to be there for me. We're going to stick together. And whenever you need me, you know, I'm here for you. So, yeah, so no no problem for inviting you on the show, man. I got you. So thank you yes, so sir, much brother. for joining. Um, just everybody that's watching, this is episode five. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you go to Marcus the Doc. Doc season, my channel on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Marcus the Doctor. Follow me on Twitter, Marcus the Doc. Do what you got to do and just stay tuned in because you know every episode we're producing a good message the best message possible and if nobody's listening somebody's listening if, if two people listen it's touching somebody so if That's you right. um if you want to tune in man make sure you reach out uh if you have any interesting things that you want to talk about if you if you're curious about anything any questions about what me and stretch discussed or if you oppose anything i mean even if you oppose let me know and i would love to bring you on if you feel passionate about something let me know and then we can um get you on the show so thank you so much again minister stretch i appreciate you that's love and and um, good luck with your um i'm in arizona right now so unfortunately i can't attend because you know i live in az right now but uh good luck on your event coming up on friday um it's friday right yes sir yes sir so um good luck on that event and good luck with everything that you're doing and you know i'm going to be tuned in and make sure y'all follow him on every platform and that's all love man so yeah if y'all need anything if y'all got any comments drop drop your comments below and let me know what you think so all love to you power to the people power to um, you bro man. god bless you bro power to the people have a good one man